Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I'm Michael Kingswood and I write science fiction and fantasy. I used to be in the Navy, spent 20 years doing submarine operations, among other cool things. Learned to fly planes, learned to scuba dive, had a bunch of kids, saw the world, and I started writing fiction. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing my stories with you in the hope that you'll have fun, and also that you'll like my stuff and come back for more and maybe help brother out with buying a book or two. So uh, sit back, relax, I'm going to tell you a story. Hi friends, I'm Michael Kingswood. It's story time. And it's been a few weeks <laughs> since I last talked to you. Um, I did a bunch of traveling, went to Salt Lake City to the FireCon uh, writing conference. Uh, met a whole bunch of people, took some classes, learned some stuff, did a whole bunch of networking, had some fun, and explored Salt Lake City for the first time ever. Nice, nice place. Um, I brought my microphone, I brought all my stuff with me, I was like, oh, I'm surely I'm going to record my podcast while I'm there. <laughs> and then, no, I didn't. I did get my story for the week written, but that was about it. And then I flew to Virginia for business, and I was there for a few days, but the flight schedule got all jacked up, and I went on like three or four days of pretty much completely screwed up sleep schedule so I got home to San Diego and I was just wiped and I was like screw it I'm not recording and then I've had a, another week of chicanery of one sort or another and just yeah, it's a whole lot of work doing a whole lot of work and a whole bunch of stuff and I just haven't gotten to this so I apologize I was, you know I've missed episodes before but this is the first long stretch I've missed and that's not cool so We'll get back to it here. I guess I'll do two episodes this week. Um, only going to read one chapter on this one just to get it out quick because here it is Monday evening afternoon. I want to get it out here Monday evening. And then uh, got a infinite bard pimpage to do on Wednesday. And then I'll do another episode this weekend with another chapter or two, probably two, just to try to get us caught up again and uh, go from there. So I've been a good couple of weeks, but busy, and I just have dropped this completely. So again... Apologize. Let's see, where were we on the Pericles conspiracy? Um, Joe had decided, screw this, I'm not working with the Govey guys, I'm saving Malcolm. And they got away, and they drove off to the airport to meet Raul, uh, who was going to take the tracker out of Joe, and they got in his van and started going. And right when that happened, the government guys apparently caught, caught up with them, or at least Malcolm, who's driving, thinks they caught up, and looks like it's time for a car chase. Why not? Because you got to have a car chase. Because they're fun. So sit back, enjoy, or not. But of course you're enjoying, that's why you're here. So sit back, relax, have a scotch, and here comes the next chapter. Talk to you on the flip side. The Pericles Conspiracy. Written by me. Read by me. I think I'm done apologizing for the reading since I'm actually putting out audiobooks that I read. If you don't like my reading deal with it. Chapter 21. Around the Bend. You sure they're onto us? Joe shouted. The van lurched again as Malcolm turned quickly, nearly knocking Raoul and Joe over again. Then the van's motor noise grew louder as he accelerated. Finally, he answered, pretty sure. I passed two stands going the other way. They stopped in the middle of the road and made U-turns, so either they're NSA or they both really want to stop at McDonald's. He gestured ahead and to the right where they were about to pass a pair of the famous golden arches. 
Small chance of that, Joe muttered. More loudly, she said, can you lose them? <laughs> In this? Malcolm sounded incredulous, earning a scowl from Raoul. Did you get that locator out yet? Raoul muttered something in Spanish, probably a curse. I was about a minute away before you did that. Now I have to get reset up. Malcolm cursed as well, then nodded. They're about 150 meters back and coming up fast. I'll do my best to lose them, but it won't matter if you don't get that chip out. Raoul squatted to retrieve the MRI unit and gestured for Joe to sit again, muttering, You think I don't know this? You came to me, remember? Under his breath. When he looked back up at Joe, he was still scowling. All right, it's probably going to hurt worse, since we're in a hurry. You up for it? What was she going to say? No. Joe nodded and held out her arm. The van lurched again, more mildly, as though Malcolm had just changed lanes abruptly. Joe wedged herself into the corner as best she could while still allowing Raoul access to her arm. Reattaching the MRI took longer than it did the first time. Or maybe it just seemed that way, because of the new tension in the air. Raoul had to adjust the clamps a couple times before it would stay. Maybe one of the clamps got bent when it fell? At last, the image came back after he energized the unit, just as clear it had been the last time. Another lurching came, along with the squealing of tires as Raoul adjusted his pinchers and Joe nearly fell to the floor again. But she managed to keep herself still by pressing hard against the wall of the van with her outstretched feet. As Malcolm completed the turn, the van rocked and for a moment it felt as though they were about to go over. Wouldn't that be a wonderful end of the night? But then it righted itself and he drove straight again. Joe really wished she could see what was going on outside. The tension of being chased and the apprehension over the advertised pain to come was bad enough, but all the rocking and rolling was beginning to make her head spin. She normally did not get motion sickness, but for whatever reason she felt a mild bit of nausea coming on. Maybe it was the a sharp pain in her shoulder distracted Joe from the line of thought. She heard herself crying out and bit down hard, gritting her teeth again. She favored Raoul with a glare that would send one of her crew members scurrying away to hide, but he did not notice. His gaze was locked onto the MRI display, which now showed the ends of the pinchers pushing deep into her muscle, but not quite to the locator. Worse, is that thing moving? Raoul nodded, and Joe's nausea was joined by a sudden terror. In a near panic, Joe had to force herself not to rip the equipment from her shoulder and jump off the bench, and to hell with this procedure. But then, that would mean leaving that thing inside her. Shuddering, as reason pushed panic down, she focused on Raoul. I missed it. They're designed to resist removal, Raoul explained. If their sensors detect tampering, they activate and burrow in deeper. His eyes left the display and met hers for a moment. His expression was almost pitying. Sorry about this. He actuated the pinchers and agony ripped through Joe's shoulder. Unable to hold back a scream, she felt as though she'd been run through by a pair of red-hot pokers. Then, just as she had almost recovered, the pinchers twisted and jerked, sending another lance of pain through her shoulder. She gasped and slumped back, breathing in and out with quick, heaving breaths. The interior of the van spun for a moment before she could right herself. Finally, she took a deep breath and sat up again, wiping tears from her eyes with the back of her right hand. The pain had reduced to a dull throb, maybe a four or five on a scale of ten. Normally, that would be enough to be far more than annoying, but compared to the 15 she had just experienced, it felt like heaven. She looked over at Raoul and demanded, Tell me you got it. He nodded and held up the pinchers for her to see. They were covered in a thin coat of blood and grasped a small metal object between their tips. Seeing the blood prompted her to grasp at her shoulder with her hand. When it came away blood-free, she raised one eyebrow in surprise. Raoul smiled ever so slightly. It's treated with a coagulant. So the wound seals almost immediately upon removal. Joe nodded. That was standard for invasive medical instruments these days. She should have figured it would be that way with Raoul's pinchers as well. 
Raoul turned to his lab bench and deposited the locator into a small cup with a threaded top. Then he screwed a cap onto it. It will keep its charge for a few hours, so you'll want to get rid of it somewhere. Turning back to her, he held up the cup. She took it and was about to say thanks when the van lurched again, this time from an impact. There was no way she could have stopped herself from falling off the bench this time. She found herself sprawled on the floor with Raoul on top of her. What was that? Raoul demanded. Malcolm jerked at the wheel, trying to get the van back under control as it veered from side to side. They're right on us, he said in a strained voice. The one on the left just hit us in the quarter panel with his fender. God damn it, Raoul said. I just had this van refurbished. He pushed himself up and off Joe, then bounded forward toward the cockpit area. Joe followed a bit more slowly. She worked her shoulder gingerly. It worked, but it would be uncomfortable for a while, she suspected. She reached the cockpit just as the van lurched again, this time to the left, and was barely able to brace herself against the back of Malcolm's seat to prevent falling over. Raoul strapped himself into the passenger seat and cursed. Joe could see why. The two side-view displays showed the pursuing cars on their flanks. At least three people sat in each car, no doubt armed. This was bad. This was very bad. The car on the left began moving forward as Joe looked up at the street ahead and saw traffic moving across their street at the next intersection. Her heart leapt up into her throat. Red light! Joe screamed at the same instant that Raoul, watching the side-view display, shouted, Hit the brakes! Malcolm slammed on the brakes and the van abruptly slowed to the sound of skidding tires and the smell of burning rubber. Joe stumbled forward and pressed her palms into the dashboard to keep from falling into the windshield. They fishtailed and stopped just before the painted line marking the stopping point for the red light. The two pursuit cars shot ahead of them into the intersection. The car on the left, already accelerating, had to swerve to avoid crossing traffic, but it made it through and slammed on its brakes. The car on the right was not so lucky. A car traveling from right to left hit the pursuit car broadside, sending it careening away. The entire passenger side caved in. A second car, traveling the opposite direction, struck the first, and then was struck in turn by another car coming up behind it. Joe, Malcolm, and Raoul sat in silence for a moment, stunned. Right, right, turn right, Raoul shouted, pointing in that direction. He had a point. The pileup had stopped traffic from left to right, and they had a clear avenue of escape in that direction. Malcolm nodded and hit the accelerator again. The van lurched forward and turned hard to the right. In her peripheral vision, Joe saw the first pursuit car maneuvering to turn around. They would not be in the clear for long. Very soon, they were in violation of the speed limit and quickly gaining on the traffic ahead. Another intersection loomed. The light was green. A small sedan ahead signaled its intention to turn right. Raoul pointed at it. We need to ditch the tracker. Follow that car, Robert. Malcolm nodded and slowed so as not to overtake the vehicle, then got into the turning lane. Raoul turned to Joe and held out his hand. She blinked, unable to comprehend his meaning for a moment. He shook his head insistently and looked back at her in annoyance. It clicked. She still had the tracker. Feeling like an idiot, she handed the small device off to Raoul. He took it out of its container and put it into a different case, which he pulled out of the glove compartment. Joe glanced at the rear view. Still no sign of their pursuers. Malcolm turned right, about 50 meters behind the sedan. Get up beside him, Raoul ordered. He rolled down his window as they got up next to the other car and tossed the tracker out. The new case stuck to the top of the sedan and stayed put. Apparently, it was magnetic. Pretty slick, Joe murmured, earning a quick grin from Raoul. Another intersection loomed ahead. Turn left here, Raoul said. Malcolm complied, and soon they left the sedan and the tracker behind. Joe let out a sigh of relief and sunk back onto her heels between the two cockpit seats. I thought they had us for a moment there, she said breathlessly. Yeah, well, they didn't, Malcolm said. He looked calm, but Joe noted more than a hint of relief in his tone. 
Raul sounded only angry. You were fucking paying for the damage to my van, pendejo, he said, wagging a finger at Malcolm. Malcolm just nodded. Of course. It'll take a bit of time to get... He stopped talking as his eyes locked on the rearview display. Joe glanced over and felt their spirits sink like a stone. The pursuit car passed the intersection behind them, following the sedan as planned. A couple seconds later, however, it came back into view, speeding in reverse. It skidded to a stop, facing down their street, then accelerated straight toward the van. Oh, shit, she breathed. Heck yeah, Hot Pursuit. I love Hot Pursuit. It was so much fun writing this chapter and the next couple because car chases. Yeah! <laughs> They're so fun. Uh, but yeah, hey, get these trackers out. And, uh, they haven't thrown the pursuit yet, but they're making progress. One out of two gone. And uh, we'll see what happens next. Tune in next time. Tune in next time. Tune in. Tune in next week. And we can read. Actually, no. Don't tune in next week. Tune in in a few days later on this week. And we'll get the next chapter or two. And you'll continue on with the story. Of course, if you can't wait, you can always buy it. You know what to do. Go to michaelkingswood.com or ssnstorytelling.com. Click on the bookstore links and you can get the book from me. Or you can go to Amazon and the other places and spend the same amount of money, but I get less of it if you really hate me that much. The books fill through BuckFunnel if you buy the ebook from me. So, you know, easy to do it on your advice. And they handle any issues you have with technical problems. It's good. Go. So buy it from me. It's good. If you don't want to do that, that's cool. Come back next week, listen to the podcast, tell everybody about it so that folks know to come listen since you like it so much. Other people should like it too. Bring it along. Um, if you really like what I'm doing and want to give support on a regular basis, come by michaelkingswood.com. You can click on the supporting patronage link and you can sign up to be a uh, member of the website. It comes with a uh, either monthly or annual subscription rate. And you, you know, get the satisfaction of helping me with my artistic endeavors, but also I'll give periodically um, extra bonuses to subscribers slash patron types. And depending on the tier level you get, you'll either get a short story a month, or you get everything I put out, or you get print books, or you get audiobooks, or you get yeah, whatever else I feel like doing. And uh, life is good that way. Um, yeah. Last thing you can do to help out, I am participating in a couple of book funnel promotions this month. They are, respectively, let me pull up the names here so I don't screw them up too badly. The first one is called the, wait for it, as the website comes up, because I'm doing this uh, very ad hoc, total professional here right now. So the Mighty Men of Fiction promotion. That is a ebook list building promotion. I'm giving away a free copy of my novella, The Necromancer's Lair, which is a dungeon diving, killing undead, hunting down a necromancer, just kind of fun adventure that I enjoyed writing. I got inspired to write it from a big long dungeon crawl in Skyrim. But yeah, it was good fun. And then the other one is the clean sci-fi and fantasy series extravaganza. And that is a sales promotion, which I'm trying for the first time through Book Funnel. I've got uh, Glimmer Veil, the first book in the Glimmer Veil Chronicles, reduced down to 99 cents, and Passing the Night, the prelude to the Pericles Conspiracy, which is always 99 cents. Both of those listed on this thing. So uh, if you want to get a good, uh, good deal and you haven't bought those books yet, by all means, come buy the classic sci-fi, the clean sci-fi and fantasy series extravaganza. 
because these are both serious beginners, even though the Pericles Conspiracy is just one book. But Passing the Night is leading into it, so uh, yeah, we'll call that a series starter. But Glimmer Veil vale is the first of a five-book series that's going to be six-book here soon, and then many more to follow since there's lots more stories I can write in the Glimmer Veil vale universe. Um, and it's discounted right now. Um, if you go to Book Funnel, you can either they have links to either buy it from me or from the various and sundry websites that you can. And, eh, you know, it'd be a nice thing to do. <laughs> but completely up to you, of course. No pressure. Uh, yeah, so that's all I've got. Like I said, I'll be back in a couple days to pimp the latest incarnation of the Infinite Bard. And then I'll come back again later, probably in the weekend, to do another couple chapters of the Pericles Conspiracy. And then next week we'll get back on track with the uh, weekly episodes and go from there. Okay, well, hey, thanks uh, for tuning in. Sorry again about the long delay between the last episodes and this one. It is what it is. Uh, so come join us again next time. Until then, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. You can find me online at michaelkingswood.com. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. My web store is ssnstorytelling.com, where you can find all my books in your favorite formats. Purchasing through the web store nets me the most profit, but if you prefer, I'm also on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and all the other usual e-tailers. If you want to learn about new releases, sign up for my mail list through the contact form at my website. I guarantee not to spam you, only send an email when I have some news to share. Storytime with Michael Kingswood is copyright of Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved. <laughs>